0: Man, oh man, tough times. You know, there's the good, there's the bad, and uh, sometimes you run into the ugly. And that's what the Chiefs experienced this past week against the Tennessee Titans. I'm Farzine and your host of the Chiefs on Podcast. Thank you guys for downloading and listening to the Chiefs on Podcast. As always, please subscribe to the podcast on iTunes. Now, you can also interact with me on social media, and gosh, I'll tell you what. Uh, there's been a ton of interaction uh, lately with me on social media, Facebook, and Twitter. Here's how you can be part of that interaction Facebook.com slash sportscaster Farzine, or search my name Farzine Visugian on Facebook. Uh, you guys can also follow me on Twitter at Farzine21. Uh, just a lot, uh, a lot to take in. And listen, we've, we've kind of done a tradition now with after every Chiefs loss, I will read. Every post game comment and I'll tell you what uh, I always get uh, these numbers on my Facebook page you know how many interactions do we have how many views are are my posts getting and I'll tell you what the post reach again for those of you who've never ran a Facebook page before uh, they, they provide these statistics the post reach website clicks and post engagement so many different things and the post-reach doubled after the game. It was a very quiet conversation throughout the game. And I was kind of wondering, you know, how can I increase the interaction on the Facebook page? Twitter, you don't get as many st- statistics like you do on Facebook. But, man, once the final score came, once Ryan Suckup made that game-winning field goal from 53 yards away, it was off. It was it was crazy. And... There's a lot to talk about. I'll, I'll be honest with you guys. Uh, I have thought about how I was going to do this podcast. I really did. Now we're going to talk about the game. Of course, I mean, I'd be doing disservice if we didn't. Uh, but there, there's uh, there's a lot that's, that's... I've just been flabbergasted this week. I really have. Now listen, the NFL starts in September, goes through October... You know, things start to heat up in November and December. You play a little bit in January, but the NFL season, the regular season, is four months long. September, October, November, and December. Now, of course, NFL teams will be playing into the first of January, so... Okay, technically five months. The Chiefs are losing one game per month. They lost one game in September... One in October, one in November, and just recently they're only lost so far in September. And I think a lot of fans here, not just football fans, but even sports fans too, they're so sick of the losing and everything that this city has gone through with sports franchises that when the Royals turned things around and won the World Series, I think now the standards have been so high. I still remember when the Chiefs started 1-5 and the Royals won the ALCS. Nobody was talking about the Kansas City Chiefs. Everyone was just focusing on the Royals. Once they won the World Series, the Chiefs started to excel and go on that big surge. And then finally, people started talking about the Chiefs because they started winning games. So uh, winning is now... I mean, it's, it's a high standard here in Kansas City. We're not used to having success. And now that we've had success... I mean, within, what, a three-month span, we got a World Series for the first time since 1985 and a playoff win for the first time in 22 years. So the way sports fans are looking at the big picture, I mean, winning is an expectation now. That's the That's the standard. And I get that. That's fine. Listen, me just talking as a fan right now, I want a Super Bowl here really badly. I mean, when we saw downtown painted all blue and all those Royals players on top of their trucks with their families just celebrating, I want to see the same thing except it being painted red with all 53 guys and you know others who have been on the team as well through the practice squad, those who have been injured and whatnot, get honored as well. Because I think this city really deserves it with how Chiefs fans have been known to be the loudest uh you know not too far just 40 miles west at Allen Fieldhouse it's known to be the loudest arena in college basketball I mean you can just tell sports fans here in the area are exuberant about their teams and that's great and I also get it comes with the territory you know these sports teams that we have here if they're not doing well, fans are gonna fans are gonna let them hear about it. Especially now when we have this PC age with social media and everything, uh, people people let their thoughts known. And f- of course, we had banners flying up uh, throughout the 2012 season, calling for Scott Pioli's job and, and Romeo Crennel to go out. I get it. Uh, ever since Andy Reid's gotten here, this football team has changed drastically, and. This Chiefs team has finished above 500 for the first time since Marty Schottheimer was the head coach. First time since the mid to late 90s. But here's my frustration when I said I'm flabbergasted by just the reaction from Chiefs fans. People are calling for Andy Reid's job after the Chiefs lose a football game. People want a switch at quarterback anytime the Chiefs lose a football game. So are we going to really sit here after one loss? And again, it's it's one loss per month. Keep that in mind. We're ten and if you told me that we were going to be ten and four going into Christmas, I'd be ecstatic. For those of you who listened to the podcast all the way since the beginning of the season or before the season, I should say, my expectations were actually low for this team. I said that this football team was going to be seven and nine. My biggest criticism with Andy Reid in and this Chiefs team is that the two years they made the playoffs. 2013 and 2015, the Chiefs have not beaten any playoff-caliber teams. They've cruised through those two seasons by losing to good teams and then beating a bunch of bad teams. This year's not that case. This year's different. This Chiefs football team has gone out and defeated a lot of great football teams. And unfortunately, because of the turn of events this week with the Chiefs losing and the Raiders winning... All that great hard work might end up getting them another 5 seed. So this is the frustration that me and every single Chiefs fan is dealing with right now. We're 4-0 in the AFC West, 2-0 over the division-leading Raiders, and they're still atop the AFC West right now. So I get it. People are upset. That's fine, but... Let's not call for Andy Reid's job when he is the one who has made this franchise relevant again. This franchise was briefly, briefly, of me, relevant when Dick Vermeil was here. Briefly relevant when Herm Edwards and Todd Haley were here. Relevant in a really bad way in 2012 with everything that just went on with the franchise. On the field, off the field, it was horrible. This football team has not seen just dominant success since Marty Schottenheimer was the head coach. And Andy Reid has brought us something special that we haven't seen in a really long time. So for me to read all these comments on Facebook and Twitter that say to fire Andy Reid is ludicrous. Now I'm not going to sit here and hide from the fact that Andy Reid has... Done a lot of things that, that's hurt this football team. Uh, play calling is one of them. Clock management, another one. The way he, he uses, and I know this falls under, under the last category of clock management, but the way he uses those timeouts, and I wouldn't necessarily call this clock management, but the top two timeouts he did use, my gosh, immensely benefited the Tennessee Titans in this football game. You burn a timeout on fourth down, and I get it. As a head coach, when there's a big fourth down play coming up, you want to be able to see how they line up, call a timeout, and then go over that. But listen, man, they, 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 they didn't have any timeouts. And they came back, they scored the touchdown that could have tied the game, and said went for two, couldn't get it, got the ball back, still no timeouts here, and won that football game. So there's a lot that, you know, with Andy by the way, of course, you know, the there's all this talk about icing the kicker. I I wrote a post about it on the Facebook page and what people had to say, yeah, Shanahan did it 9 years ago and that trend carried over throughout the NFL, college football, and even high school football. But I feel like that whole icing the kicker deal is a lost art. I remember Todd Haley burned a timeout against the Buffalo Bills. I don't remember the name of the kicker. But if I'm not mistaken, he made a 53 yard field goal, but it did not count because Todd Haley called the timeout. When he re-kicked it, hit the crossbar, no good. Chiefs got a chance and eventually won the football game to prevent the upset against uh a winless Buffalo Bills team. So if Ryan suck up, people are saying that Andy Reid should not never have called that timeout because it's 53 yards away. It's cold as heck. Uh, even though I mean there were, there was a lot made about how the Chiefs kept their field a little bit warmer, but uh, you know, still the, I mean the conditions aren't great especially from that distance and to burn a timeout when Suckup missed that first kick, you basically gave him a warm-up kick because that's what a kicker would love before he makes the actual attempt from 53 yards away. The one that will actually t- statistically count as an attempt. But let's look at the other side of it too. If Ryan Suckup did make that 53-yard field goal the first time and Andy Reid didn't call a timeout, guess who's going to be criticized throughout all of Sunday evening until Monday morning on all the columns and radio talk radio shows? Andy Reid's going to be that big idiot who didn't call the timeout because he let Ryan Suckup go for it and didn't an ice the kicker. So there's always... Listen, I had no problem with him icing the kicker. It was in the back of my mind, too. And listen, this whole thing about the cold and and, and how, you know, oh, in the game of football, you can't pass very well when it's cold. And no. I, I seriously feel like sports fans make way too big of a deal over cold weather and who it benefits. You know, all, all this crap because, listen, man... Uh, Phillip Rivers came into Arrowhead a couple of years ago and put up, what, 30 or 40 points? It was in 2013 when they came to Arrowhead. It was the first uh, loss at Arrowhead Stadium that season for the Chiefs. Of course, the 9-0 start, uh, but people kept talking about how Philip Rivers, he's from sweet, sunny San Diego. He's not going to be able to succeed in a cold environment, and he just torched this Chiefs defense in that game. I mean, Marcus Mariota from Kodel Hawaii. Of course, the warm weather there, he didn't have any problems in this game when it was what, 1 or 2 degrees at kickoff. So the I, I never want to hear people talk about the cold weather or rain and who it benefits because quite honestly, I, I truly don't think the weather benefits anybody. I seriously think there's way too much made into that stuff. Way too much. We really do look into that kind of stuff a lot. People were talking about the Thursday night game, of course, very cold, freezing temperatures. And a lot of people talked about how Derek Carr was going to struggle because it's going to be cold. And the Raiders are from California. It's never cold in California, apparently. People act like that these players have never played high school ball or college ball anywhere else other than the state of California. And I think that itself is a very bad, a very bad way to judge the game of football. I guess, for lack of a better term. So I never want to, and I don't mean to go so long on the spiel about weather because I'm, I'm I'm no Gary Lezak, I'm no Gary Amble, but uh, this is a this is a topic that fans really do make way too much when, honestly. We know what the weather is going to be. Team, I mean, we have these meteorologists that go out there predict the weather, and for the most part, they're very accurate. Of course, they've got their radars and everything that tell them what's coming. So these teams, they know. They they also study the weather too. They, I mean, they read up on 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 the news to see what's how is the game going to be. Unless they're playing at an indoor stadium. So these teams know how to prepare for cold environments too. It's it's not like it benefits just one team and the other team enters Kansas City by shock and all of a sudden they see snow on the ground like they've never seen snow anywhere else. So the, the whole thing about Ryan Suckup making that field goal from far away in the cold, yes, I, I do agree that it can be a factor. I mean, if it's raining hard, there's no doubt that we're going to see some fumbles. But it's not like only one team... Will it's not like they're the only ones who will suffer from it. The the opposing team is also going to have to face the elements of of the outdoors. But they're better prepared. They found a way to take care of the football. I mean, listen, coaches will do everything. I mean, they'll put wet footballs on the field throughout practice, throughout the week, just so players can learn how to protect the football in wet conditions. You have to do that. Yeah, sure, there are towels and whatnot, but once the referee plays the football down on the ground when it's already wet, quite honestly, the, the whole wiping the football thing doesn't really do much. So all this talk about the weather, man, to me, it's nonsense, and it's just fans making a big deal out of something that's really not a big deal. So Ryan suck up the whole kicking a field goal from long distance, yeah, sure, he missed it the first time. Was it because of the the cold? I don't know. I really don't. And again, don't get me wrong. I do think the weather can be a factor, but by all means, I don't think one team has ever a major advantage against another team in that category. I just don't. So this whole thing about oh well, the Chiefs. I mean, they've got great. They've got cold weather. The opposing teams in for a a, a bad ride. Uh, let's get off our high horse, all right? I know the Chiefs have been on such a big run with. The way they've been winning their games against the Broncos, the Falcons, the Raiders, the Panthers, of course, the Chargers earlier this year in week one. But we've also got to keep in mind this is not a very perfect team. I mean, I'm seeing some Chiefs fans kind of pulling the Conor McGregor show like they run the Chiefs run the NFL when they don't. And I think this week was definitely a reality check. Which, by the way, it's so funny because I, I talked about how just now how Chiefs fans are so... I mean, they're on cloud nine, that when the Chiefs lose one football game per month, the perception in the the way this football team is viewed by their own fan base is just completely, it just reversed. It's a complete 180, which is funny because I predicted a Raiders win over the Chiefs back in October when these two teams played the first time and I've had all, a lot of people attack me, which I don't care, by the way. I mean, I've got thick skin. I, I, I laugh all these comments off. But, you know, if I, if I, if I predict the Chiefs' loss over a, an AFC foe, you know, I get attacked for that. But when the Chiefs lose one football game, one football game per month, Chiefs fans act like it's the end of the world. If I was not a football fan, if I didn't follow the sport of football and I just read what was on my timeline about the Chiefs I would have guessed the Chiefs were a 4-10 and football team instead of a 10-4 and team. I mean, fans really found a way to overreact this week. And I tried to reason with a lot of fans. A lot of fans, of course, are trolls on tour. There are a couple funny ones out there, but for the most part, man, people are really freaking out over one loss. I get it. We're in a tight AFC West race, but you can only control what you can control. And in this game, the Chiefs, uh, the timeouts, uh, of course, bad calls, that interception that Alex Smith threw, definitely a a bad one right there. And the inconsistency of this football team finally came back to haunt them. We saw that first-half dominance, uh, offensive dominance against the Falcons. You know, the very quiet game against the Panthers. Same thing against the Raiders. Just the second quarter is when they dominated, but when they only dominated in the first quarter against the Titans, that finally came back to haunt them. You cannot go in this league... Sure, the Chiefs won the turnover battle, what, 3-1? to one? Okay, but if you're not scoring off those turnovers, the turnover battle means nothing. Absolutely nothing. And again, this is if you're expecting me to be on the fire Andy Reid campaign and let's get rid of Alex Smith I know earlier this year I, I was a little anti on Alex Smith after what we saw from a couple games when he went through that concussion and the way he lost against the Bucks. but man that, he only did that once he bounced back strong against the Broncos the Falcons the Raiders we've been seeing Alex Smith go downfield people keep talking about how we can't throw the deep pass we've been seeing it we just don't see that call, get, get called enough And I think part of the blame is on Andy Reid. I I take that back. A big part of the blame is on Andy Reid. And listen, again, like I said, uh, this isn't the trade Alex Smith, release him, fire Andy Reid campaign podcast. If that's what you expected, you came to the wrong place. Because those two guys have really had a big hand in turning this football team around. We we kept crying for a quarterback when we dealt with guys Like Brady Quinn, Brody Croyle, Quinn Gray, uh, Matt Castle. Uh, Even though he made the Pro Bowl one year, uh, his bad years overshadowed that Pro Bowl year. So when the Chiefs finally have a quarterback that's been winning football games for you, what does the fan base do? They still complain. And listen, I get it. Alex Smith is no Tom Brady. He's no Peyton Manning. He's no Joe Montana. Okay, fine. He's not been the guy who throws for 300 yards and 3-4 to touchdowns a game. But he's doing enough. And it might not be the most exciting way to win a football game, but he is doing enough to win you football games. They keep talking about You know, on these broadcasts, on CBS, Fox, and if it's on a primetime game, NBC or ESPN, they keep mentioning Alex Smith's winning percentage since 2011. It's up there with Tom Brady, Aaron Rodgers, as well as Peyton Manning before he retired. That's great company to be a part of. And listen, we can talk about the downfield passes and how many yards Alex Smith throws downfield per game. Okay, sure. Let's let's bring every statistic to the book. Give me the statistic as to how many wins he has compared to most quarterbacks in the NFL. And Alex Smith is going to be on top of that list. I mean, it, it's it's no accident. Yes, he's been part of a great defense in San Francisco and in Kansas City, but listen, uh, I, Tom Brady, you don't think he's been part of a great defense? I know. I know in the years that the Patriots have been dominant. It's always been Tom Brady, Tom Brady, Tom Brady, Tom Brady. But that also overshadows why else the Patriots have been so successful in winning four Super Bowls in 15 years. Possibly a fifth Super Bowl in, what, 17 years? I mean, that defense has been great. For the New England Patriots, so many great players over the years have played on that defense. It just doesn't get talked about because the quarterback position always gets the most praise. That Carolina defense didn't get talked about as much last year when they went on that fifteen to zero run. I don't want to say a start because at the end of the year when you're playing your sixteenth game, that's technically not even the start of the season anymore. But you get the picture. People get talking about Cam Newton because the quarterback position is always the most dominant position. And basketball, if you've got the best defense in the NBA that's allowing the fewest points per game, that's not going to get talked about. If you have the best record, too. It's going to be who's the who's the most scoring, who's the best scorer on the team that's always going to be the most talked about guy not how great the defense is sure there are going to be some people who mention the defense but it's always going to be from every single media outlet and fan it's going to be the top scorer on the basketball team it's the same thing with football sure there might be some teams that have great records because of their defense but that quarterback will always be a big part of that conversation That the team is succeeding because of the quarterback. And Alex Smith, again, not necessarily the most flashiest quarterback ever. That's okay. The Chiefs have been able to win by not having the flashiest quarterback ever. But when they lose one football game per month, Chiefs fans freak the hell out like they have just been eliminated from playoff contention. Or that they're competing with the Browns for the number one overall draft pick. And I think we really need to chill the hell out because... This football team is 10-4. and four. Okay, Hold on, I'm going to repeat that one more time. They're 10-4 and four going into Christmas. Let's not panic and just talk about every negative aspect of this football team. Now yes, this football team has a lot to work on. But I think for the, for sports fans, they focus so closely on just their team. They don't focus. They, they don't. Well, for example, even though we we keep a close eye on the Steelers or not, I'm not the steel. What the hell did I just say? The Raiders. I'll actually get to the Steelers in a moment because that's a scoreboard we do got to keep a close eye on this week. But the Raiders, we always ask Siri what's the score to the Raiders game. We we go to ESPN or NFL.com and check the score to the Raiders game. But we don't watch every single Raiders game. I guarantee you, not every Chiefs fan does that, and not every Raiders fan watches every single Chiefs game. I'll tell you what: if you and listen, try this with your sports teams. If you can't, I mean, if you have NFL Sunday ticket, it helps. And I get it. Uh, you know, when the, if the Chiefs play a noon game and the Raiders play a noon game, you can't. You just can't be watching. You you can't be fully focused on two two different football games. You just can't. All these national pundits who have 10 different TVs on a Sunday when they try to watch all the games, they don't follow every single team 100%. I know they, they they say they do. I mean, listen, we're human, okay? Not, not, not everyone can focus on these guys 100%. There, there are 32 teams that these national pundits have to really know about. I guarantee you, Tony Gonzalez, who of course is with the NFL today on CBS, and I'll I'll get to my point quickly, He can't tell you the name of every offensive lineman in all 32 teams. He just can't. I guarantee you. I mean, talk to any national pundit and ask them to name all the linemen on every football team. They won't. I would have to pull out... uh, I can't tell you all five starters on the offensive line for the other three AFC West teams. I would have to look it up. And there are so many people who pretend like they do know... But then they look it up and then they talk about it like they knew it way before. And I and I hate when people do that. But my point being the, the point I want to make here, if you can follow two football teams throughout the course of a of a season, do it. Because as much as we talk about what what, what the Chiefs' weaknesses are, you're going to find weaknesses for another football team too, as great as they are. There are cracks to every NFL team. All 12 teams that go into the postseason, there are cracks and holes that teams can just, if they can figure out what that is and exploit it, they can pull off the upset. We saw that with the New York Giants and everything they did during that 2007-2008 season in the playoffs. The Green Bay Packers, they won the Super Bowl not too long ago as a sixth seed. So listen, I don't care if you have, obviously with with the Chiefs and what they have at Arrowhead, home field advantage would be great. Having a first round bye would be nice. Winning a division to just so you can have at least one game at Arrowhead, again, great. But that's not going to guarantee you a ticket to the Super Bowl. So I think, and I get it. I would love a, a an 11th game at, Arrowhead's, at Arrowhead this year. Those two preseason games, eight regular season games, and then one more in the playoffs. Just as much as any of you. But if they don't, let's not forget, when they snapped that 22-year drought to win their first playoff game in forever, they did it on the road. That was not a game at Arrowhead last night. And they did it in, in, in a shutout, too. And this whole thing about Andy Reid and how he should be fired because he called two timeouts to save the Titans, listen, I'm not going to sit here and say those were, those were boneheaded calls. They just were. Th- those were boneheaded calls. But Andy Reid, as much as that has been a weakness of his throughout his coaching career, at the end of the day, Andy Reid is still winning games. So for people who want to criticize Andy Reid and how he's not, he makes a lot of mistakes and it's hurting this team and he needs to be fired, he is 12th all-time for most wins in NFL history as a head coach. And guess who he's right behind? First of all, Andy Reid has 171 wins. He's right behind Bill Parcells, who has 172 wins. So if Andy Reid wins... This week against the Broncos, which, by the way, would clinch a division or not a division, but a playoff berth for the Chiefs, Andy Reid would tie 11th with Bill Parcells. If Andy Reid wins again this year, then he goes up and ties Jeff Fisher for 10th most wins in NFL history. The Chiefs haven't had. And, uh, you know, I'll say this. It's hard to get a head coach that has had so many wins in his career. The Chiefs got that with Marty Schottenheimer. Of course, had 101 wins, sixth most wins in NFL history as a head coach. So what do the Chiefs do? They hire a guy who wasn't in the in the top twenty when he was first hired by the team. But he has jumped to 12th most wins in NFL history, Andy Reid. And I know he has not won a Super Bowl. So that's the one thing that's missing from Andy Reid's resume is just a Super Bowl. But he finds a way to win football games. Something the Chiefs struggled with before Andy Reid arrived. And listen, here's my thing. If you are going to release or let go of your starter, one of your starters or fire a head coach or a general manager... Okay, you're allowed to have that opinion, but here's what you have to keep in mind. If you're going to fire someone, you obviously have to replace them with somebody else. And not only that, if you're going to fire a guy, you better bring in someone else who can do better. Because otherwise, why'd you fire that person? So if we're going to fire Andy Reid, and by the way, thank God so many Chiefs fans don't run a football team because this football team would be in shambles. Especially if you're just thinking emotionally all the time. But if we were to fire Andy Reid today, just for one loss per month this year with the Chiefs, who do you replace him with? You, know, you want to put Jeff Fisher? Yeah, you got Jeff Fisher has two more wins than Andy Reid does throughout their coaching careers, but we all know that Jeff Fisher doesn't have the most prettiest win percentage in the NFL either. I mean, there was that statistic that uh, was mentioned that if Bill Belichick was to go 0-16 for five years, he would still have a higher winning percentage than Jeff Fisher. I mean, you want to bring back uh, someone who's stepped away from the game of coaching for a bit? Guys like Mike Shanahan or, or Coughlin? I mean, look, the, the way Shanahan and Coughlin were the last couple of years with the Redskins and Giants, weren't the prettiest. Bill Cowher hasn't coached the game in a long time. Probably doesn't have any interest in doing so. Same with Tony Dungy. So realistically, if you were to fire Andy Reid today, and if you had to bring someone better, because look, when you fire someone, you have to bring a guy who's going to do better because you fired that guy for a reason. You want to be more successful. Who do you replace him with that can help you have the same level of success or better? You're not going to find that guy. I said this in the last podcast, Andy Reid has been the greatest acquisition among any coach or player since post-2012, since the new era of, of, of Chiefs football. The way he's developed some of these football players, Alex Smith and Jamal Charles are statistically having the best seasons they've ever had in their careers. Marcus Peters and Tyreek Hill have turned their lives around because of Andy Reid. He did the same thing with Mike Vick in Philadelphia. The the way that he has developed football players and when a football player doesn't develop Andy Reid wastes no time in letting them go because he cannot spend much time waiting for these guys to develop. Let's keep it let's calm down a little bit guys. I know it's a tough loss. I I was pissed off just as much when Ryan Suckup made that field goal on the second try. That stings. The Chargers, look, the worst thing you you would have to do as a fan is root for other teams to, to lose so it can help you. The second worst thing is having to root for a division rival to beat another division rival. And unfortunately, that didn't go Kansas City's way when the Chargers could not beat the Raiders. So the Chiefs put themselves in this position. Now, let's get priority number one straight. Get into the playoffs one way or another. As a wild card, division leader, first round by, whatever. Once you do that, maybe you can get a little bit help from the Colts and the Broncos as the season goes on in the waning moments of the season. Because you don't have a lot of opportunity. You blew that big chance after you had swept them in the season series. And the Chiefs put themselves in the spot here. But let's not panic, man. Uh, the, the, the overreaction is really frustrating. Just to see Chiefs fans really freak out over a win like this. Or, pardon me, a loss like this. I mean, are we really going to panic when the team is 10-4? and 4? Doesn't it sound asinine to even panic like that? Again, let's keep in mind, 10-4, and that is their record right now. Alright, as always, uh, I I, I like to read these comments after a loss, uh, and it just turns out we have almost 50 comments to read. (laughs) Uh, I I think some people may have commented commented twice. Uh, I'm not going to read any replies, uh, because I want to get through this as fast as possible, so uh, this is going to be rapid fire, here we go. Uh, uh, facebook.com slash sportscaster farzine by the way if you want to be part of this uh i always read comments after a game uh but after a loss i just make it a tr- tradition to try to read every single comment uh nathan starts us off here deserve to lose stupid mistake deserve to lose is actually what he wrote but i get the idea deserve to lose stupid mistakes came up firing when uh went conservative Joe says still playoff bound offense needs to get their you know what together Defense got ran all over. By the way, I don't read these comments before going on the podcast. That's another thing I like to. I I, I like to read them for the first time while actually recording them. DeWan says, defense needs to tighten up. Denver will take advantage of a poor run defense. Get ready for next week. Matt says, our offense sucks. Coach sucks. QB is the most overrated player at his position. All right, there's the overreaction there. It's got three likes, so... Uh, he's not the only one overreacting. Matt, I, I respect your opinion. I appreciate you commenting on the page, but man, uh, I, I just feel like that's an overreaction there. Sean says, I can't believe we ran the option, referring to the third down play, right before the Chiefs punted the football to Tennessee to give them another chance. Uh, I can't believe he didn't challenge the DeAnthony Thomas touchdown, or the no touchdown, rather. Uh I will say this, uh, Mike Pereira, who went on 610 Sports Radio, and by the way, he knows the rules and the sport better than all of us, he said that it, it was the right call. It was not a touchdown. So people want to post all these screenshots on Twitter and whatnot. Um, listen, uh, one of the ba- this guy's no Mike Carey. He knows how it should be called. So if he says it, I'm buying it. Now, here's, here's the thing. I know there's a huge gray area with, with NFL officials, okay? And the rules. There is at least one referee in the National Football League who may have given DeAnthony Thomas the touchdown there. And Tennessee probably would not have challenged that. So, I get it. There's a gray area with these rules. But at the end of the day, if a guy like Mike Pereira says that it's not a touchdown, I, I'm, I'm, I'm going to... Believe that and say it's not a touchdown. Joe says Chiefs always push the brakes in the second half. Bad coaching. It's actually been, I mean, that's been the case lately, but before that, it was a dominant or getting dominated in the first half and then dominating the second half. So uh, the Chiefs have this thing of inconsistency of just playing one quarter or one half of good football. Brittany is absolutely disgusted. Don't know how anyone thinks we can win a playoff game if we play like we did today. SMH. We are a better team than that, and that uh, follows with three emojis of, uh, of of a scared face, scared and worried face. Tate says, "Why give Smith the ball on third down?" makes no effing sense to me. <laughs> uh, Robert says, "Where's the killer instinct on on this team?" That is a comment I can definitely agree with. Got five likes, sure. That's what I can agree with. I I can agree with this next comment here. Jacob says, stay aggressive for all 60 minutes. Can't we just do that once? Good call. Good question. Tyreek Hill ran 68 yards on the second play. Offensive play for the Chiefs. Didn't get another offensive touch in in the game. Travis Kelsey wasn't targeted in the second half, if I'm not mistaken. I mean, you've got to use your weapons. And, and here's the thing I said on Twitter. Maybe, just maybe, Andy Reid is trying to hold back and not put too much on film for potential opponents in, in the playoffs. Because look at what happened in 2013 when the Chiefs played the Colts in Week 16. They only scored 7 points. Two weeks later, when they played them in the, in the playoffs, they scored 44. Now, the final score wasn't the prettiest, but you get the idea. I mean, a lot of people think Andy Reid held back in the Colts game because even though it was week 16, a lot of people actually thought it was realistically possible even 2 weeks in advance to know that the Chiefs and Colts would play in the playoffs. So I like that strategy if that's the case. But in this case when you when you haven't even made the playoffs yet, you got to you got to go 100%. Now, I could be wrong. Maybe Andy Reid is really trying his best, but uh, and not necessarily trying to hold back with the game film, w- what to put on game film, but uh, this isn't, uh, th- you've, you've got to play hard until you get what you want, which is number one, a playoff berth to a division title and three, a first run by would be nice. Sean says deserved it. You, uh, if you expect to make a deep run in the playoffs, you can't play like this. Oh, and the whole icing, the kicker bit us. Tim says, luck ran out. Joe, I believe Joe's commenting again. Uh, Suckup made that because that was a personal victory for him. Sure, why not? Uh, he may not admit it, but, uh, I mean, these guys are human. They'd they they, they, they they'd, love to, they'd, they'd love to stick it to the general manager and let them know they made a mistake. Uh, I, I would, too, if I was a, a kicker or, or just a player. You don't think Alex Smith wanted to prove the 49ers they were wrong in letting him go? Back when the Chiefs and 49ers played in San Francisco in 2014? Of course he did. RJ says, Offense gets stagnant. The D is great, but can't put that much pressure on them all the time. And that's another comment I can fully agree with. Uh, this defense has really carried this football team on their back. And three takeaways? This defense did what it needed to do. <laughs> they, they did. Uh, you held the Titans at 19 points uh, this defense has only had one bad game, and that was the Steelers game. Every single game, this defense, maybe except for the first half of the Chargers game, they have shown up, and they have found a way to help this football team be in position to win in all 15 of those games, minus the Steelers. Oh, well, I take it like not all 15. Uh, what, you played 14 games? So in, in 13 of the 14 games, the defense has done what it needed to do. With the team in position to win, I truly believe Uh, where was I, uh, Jacob says offensive play calling, lost that one, just horrendous Scott said bad line play, on both sides of the ball, Troy says, who didn't see this coming, there should never be any talk of Super Bowl an absolute Chiefs like loss Richard says, every once in a while, these games happen. It's just a part of life. What really matters is how we respond next week against the Broncos. That will be a crucial game, and I do feel like the Chiefs will make the adjustments from this game to come out on top against Denver. Okay, that's an optimistic approach, and I ha- we haven't seen too many optimistic responses from this loss. So, again, I think when you're 10-4, and 4, it's okay to be optimistic with this team. It is. Adam says, it should have never come down to that field goal. Mitch as Andy outcoached himself Chad commented and said I'm most mad we didn't score On those two chances inside the one All the people yelling about not running On third and short could shut up now We can't The cold clearly made it hard for Alex Smith To throw on target in the second half Time to learn to play four quarters And yeah that's another thing we didn't mention The two Major failure yeah, It was at the half yard line and you couldn't score right there. If an NFL team cannot score with two opportunities at the half yard line, you deserve to lose. I mean, the Chiefs. I still remember when the Chiefs were trying to rally against the Bucks. They took forever to score when they were on the goal line at the one, and, and, the, and the Chiefs even got some boos before they could actually finally get that touchdown. And it's crazy because this is the team that's been. So successful at running the football what, the past 14, 15 years? Maybe even a, lo- a little longer than that. Mike says, too many balls not caught when hitting them in the hands. DeAnthony Thomas was one of them. And why was Kelsey on the sideline during key downs? I bet Andy Reid wishes he had that timeout back. Jason says, frankly, this team is not a Super Bowl contender. No run game, no uh, run defense. It's bad without DJ and the quarterback, and coach can't put together any points in the second half of games. If they go to the playoffs, they might win the first round, but it'll easily be handed, uh, or they will be handled easily by a legit team like the Steelers or Patriots. Michelle says sad. That's all she wrote, sad. (laughs) Uh, John says, it seems like we never go in for the kill. It just seems like we're winning and we don't want to embarrass the other team, so we lighten up. Just seems that way certainly does seem that way. Josh says Hill needs to get the ball more. I think we can all agree with that. He's your most explosive player, and he's one of three rookies to make the Pro Bowl this year. Also with uh, Travis Kelsey, Eric Berry, and Marcus Peters making the Pro Bowl as well. Alex says Andy Reid needs to wake the blank up. Too many playmakers on offense to play. Observation with a two, then one possession lead. No home playoff for us. Boy, there are a lot of comments. I may regret really reading all of these eventually. Uh, yes, so a long ways to go. Uh, Dedrick says, no killer instinct uh, within our offensive game plan. Humorous Andy Reid tried to ice a kicker. Ultimately, it's a loss that was needed because the offensive game plan has been no good. Dexter says, please, everyone stop defending Andy Reid. He is playing awful. We win despite of him. Fact- face the facts. Stacy says, the timeout killed us before the touchdown and the field goal jJ. Hey, man, there are some pretty funny comments on here. there there really are. Uh, Andy Reid's play calling was pathetic. They blew it. He actually had a, another word in that sentence. Uh, it sucks when we have to when we have the lead because they play weak and try to preserve the lead rather than extend it. Steve says we should put it behind. I want the Raiders in the playoffs. That's interesting. He wants the Raiders in the play. I want all three AFC West teams in the playoffs. I do. I think it makes for a better rivalry. But uh, that, that just felt weird reading that. Uh, I mentioned on, on Twitter, Matt said, uh, the defense is a bunch of hunters and the offense goes out and picks flowers. <laughs> That's a good one. That's a really interesting perspective. Uh, I don't mean to knock the offense but zero points in the second half is inexcusable. <laughs> I can't get over the flowers thing, man. Uh, that's a good one. Hey, I, I told you, I don't read these comments before I read them on the podcast. <laughs> oh, boy. You know, a lot of people would pause the podcast just so they can laugh it out and then continue. I'm not doing that, man. I'm going to prove to you guys that I'm a human being. I really am. I'm going to try to get through this comment. Kelsey can't catch for what is a throw to it. I'm sorry. Picks flowers. (laughs) Picks flowers. Oh, I wish I had a co-host with me just so we could fill some of that dead air, but gosh. Matt, I'm sorry, man. I appreciate the comment, but I could not get through that comment. Oh, boy. Pix Flowers. Oof. Uh, Stacy commented again and said, Silver lining. I was once again impressed with Terrence Mitchell, who, of course, the Chiefs picked up. A couple weeks ago, he came through big in that Oakland Raiders game. Actually, I'm skimming through Matt's comment. I have to finish this. Uh, he because he he, he he had some interesting points here. He says Kelsey can't catch on what isn't thrown to him, and AS11. I have never heard anyone refer to Alex Smith as that. Through a uh, through high all game, running a damn option on third down. When a first down seals the game, just boggles my mind. It's it's a effing high school playbook in the second half, second half all the time. Man, Matt came out firing with this comment. Uh, just step step on their damn throat, Andy. Reed, <laughs> this comment is the best. Andy Reid never played Mortal Kombat. Finish him. Oh man, Matt, I hope you comment again, dude. Uh that was probably the best. That's what I needed after a loss like that. I mean, I really needed a good laugh. And I hope you guys are laughing. Maybe you guys just think, think I'm weird as hell. Hopefully you're still listening to this podcast, because it's gonna be a long one. Alright, let's move on. <laughs> Picking flowers. Caleb says don't ice the kicker at that distance in this weather. Again. I gave my thoughts. I know a lot of people agree with Caleb on this, but I truly do feel we make too big of a deal of the the weather. Leanna says that game could have been put away in the first half, but the offense never knows what to or how to put those games away. Uh, I'm not going to lie, Leanna. I I tweeted, when are we going to see Nick Foles and Tyler Bray? I, I was so excited during that start. I thought, you know what? I completely forgot that Tyler Bray was even inactive. Nope. Completely forgot about that. Michael says, Reed is the blame for all of this. It's on Reed. Not Smith or anyone else but Reed. Fair enough. I, I can agree with that. I just don't like the idea of people wanting to fire him. If he can expand this... The, listen, he's not, he's not going to hand the play calling to anyone else. He did it last year, shockingly. But he wants to be the guy. And at this point in the season, it'd be crazy to change it because Brad Childress would need a couple of games to try to get acclimated and you just don't have enough time to do that. Michelle says, I hate the prevent defense. Hate calling the timeout to ice the kicker. Hate it when the offense doesn't play a full game. I am pissed. Moving on along to Jess. This is not a good team when they show flashes, but this is not a team who can go into Foxborough and win. This is not a Super Bowl team. Yes, we probably will get the five seed, hopefully a division title, but I doubt it. Another wild card weekend loss to the hands of probably Indianapolis. I hate the sound of that. I really do, Jess. Uh, I mentioned it earlier. One of the one of those playoff losses. There, it's not been a pretty place to go play football. Or, or, or even having them come to Arrowhead. Chris says, either Smith or ne- Reed needs to go. We need to win a Super Bowl. I'm thinking the latter. Okay. I mean, I I get it. People are, this is right after the game. So maybe Chris feels a lot different a couple days after. Who knows? Uh, Colby wrote three comments in a row. I'm only going to read one. Uh, this didn't come down to the final timeout call. It was a lot too conservative. Again, just let them be who they are and get the hell out of the way. I'm tired of getting up the, then getting conservative. With that said, I love Andy Reid in capital letters. However, I blame the fans, man. I drove all the way from Colorado, knowing we will, knowing full well the weather. Was going to be crappy because I found tickets in the lower level for 10 bucks. We are the loudest damn fans in the NFL. And today, that did not show up. And they expect the damn players to show up. That stadium was half full. And if that... Oh man, you guys really need to proofread your posts. Before you actually publish them. Uh, I just lost where I was. Oh yeah, he wrote... That stadium was half full. If that and we... We're the number one team in the division going into it. Ridiculous. Okay. um, Listen, man, when the weather's bad, yeah, sure, they clear 435 and I-70. We're right where the stadium is, and they'll clear the road to the Truman Sports Complex. But, uh, I mean, those were some bad, bad, slick roads. There were a lot of accidents reported, especially in in the East Coast region. Uh, Hope, you know, all of you guys were safe, uh, whether you're in the Midwest or in the East side. Um. Listen, man, I'm not. I'm not driving down there if uh, if the roads aren't clear in my area. I'm just not. In fact, actually, I had to take us to a KU basketball game that I decided not to go to Saturday night at Sprint Center because uh, and it, and it sucked because I was really looking forward to that. I, I love the Sprint Center, love downtown KC, love hanging out at Power & Light before and after events at the Sprint Center, but uh, just wasn't gonna do it. Uh, especially you know in an area like Power & Light where People are, I mean, they're crazy. They're drunk, and the streets are so narrow there. But you get the idea. Uh, I can't blame fans if they didn't go. Uh, The weather just was not, well, not the weather, but more so the conditions, the streets. Chad says the Chiefs and Royals, we're almost done, by the way, uh, have been successful, seemingly despite their coach and manager. That's an interesting point. I actually never thought about this. I know Ned Yost gets a lot of... A lot of grief because of the way he manages, but the Royals found a way to win a World Series. He continues and says, I can't help but wonder how we'd be doing this uh, with this same team, but a different head coach. Again, I think people seem to forget that Andy Reid has the 12th most wins in NFL history. Seth said, Andy played to lose our running game was horrendous. How can you be in third and short, fourth and short, and not get a first down? No commas in that sentence at all. I, 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 kind of hard to read. Uh, Mike says, I just get the feeling Andy doesn't want to show all, of, uh, show all of his offense to other teams scouting us. So when he has the lead, he plays conservative. I just hope we don't have any more of these games for granted, and if we lose, we lose, but let let it not be because we didn't try. Josh gets us out of here. Final comment. He says, I blame Joachim Soria. Now, I'm sure he's being sarcastic with that. But Joachim Soria, yes. The the, uh, relief pitcher for the Royals who had, what, a dozen blown saves this year? Or blown leads? Yes. Quite a lot of those. Not good. All right, so th- there it is. I mean, that's the reaction from Chiefs fans. That's the most comments I've ever had on the Facebook page. I have no idea how long that took, but uh, we went through it. We we talked about how the offense was picking flowers. <laughs> uh, I mean, we we there's so many perspectives from this, so many point of views too. Most of it's pessimistic. I get it. That was a tough loss, but you're ten and four. You've got the you've got a head coach who has the 12th most wins in NFL history. So let's not get too carried away here. Let's let's not get too upset here. This Chiefs team will make make it make it into January and play playoff football. They have had losses like that. They lost to the Buccaneers. What do they do? They beat three teams who are going to make to the, make it to the playoffs. Two of them. Well, maybe not the Broncos, but two of them on the road. The Broncos are the reigning Super Bowl champions. I know they're missing a lot of pieces, but they got off to a damn great start this year. I mean, the Broncos are not an easy team to beat. There are a lot of great teams who don't make the playoffs. 12 teams, very few get in. I know it's almost half, but there are a couple of really good teams who don't make it. And the Broncos might be one of those teams. And the Chiefs beat them on the road, possibly do it again this week. we're 10 and four guys 10 and four some teams are o 14 right now well not some teams but one I think a lot of times we take things for granted and we forget what we have you know I mean this it, it, it's fitting to talk about this now it's Christmas time and everything we have we, we tend to forget what we have this chief's team one of the best teams and a lot of teams would trade places with us they really would We're going to preview the Broncos game in just a moment, but but for now, let's go around the NFL. You know, I I think it's fitting that we talk about panic on this podcast because when the Dallas Cowboys lost to the Giants, there's all this talk about, oh, well, time to bench Dak Prescott and put back Tony Romo. The team's lost two football games. I, I know both to the Giants, but come on. You're 12 and what at the time 11 and 2, and people were talking about changing the quarterback. This is a great example of just how impatient we are as a society today. In social media, we, we're all able to voice our opinions, we really are. But let's calm down, let's not panic over one loss, people. Let's not jump to conclusions. When Dak Prescott went out and rebounded this week and won. People stop talking. They beat the Bucks on Sunday Night Football. Everyone stop talking. No, there's no talk about changing quarterbacks. It's weird, right? It's funny how it works. Same thing happens with Alex Smith critics. When, when he's winning, they're not talking. When he makes a mistake that leads to a Chiefs loss, they're talking. That's how it works, man. Uh, I, I can't say I have a problem with it. That's everyone's first amendment right to do so. I just urge people not to panic over one loss. If a quarterback is losing 3 4 consecutive games for you, yeah, sure. Then let's do something about it. By the way, speaking of doing something about it, the quarterback position. The Texans are doing the right thing going with Tom Savage. Brock Osweiler, what was that what was that deal they gave him? 72 million in 4 years, 37 million of that guaranteed. Listen. uh, Let let this be a lesson. And the Chiefs have gone through this too when they paid Matt Castle for playing what pretty much sixteen games because Tom Brady got hurt in the first half against the Chiefs. Uh, But Matt Castle fills in for Tom Brady, and Brock Osweiler fills in for Peyton Manning, and suddenly those guys are. I mean, they're they're the king. They're on the throne. Just because they filled in for a Hall of Famer. A future Hall of Famer, I should say. So they get all this money thrown at them. Listen, let's keep this in mind. Let's wait for the next Hall of Fame QB to be replaced. And let's just see how his career goes. I really hope this is a lesson, man. I hope NFL GMs in the future learn just to not throw money at their way. They don't deserve it all. They don't. By the way, coincidentally... Castle and Osweiler both pretty much got their opportunities against the Chiefs. Ironic, just ironic. Last thing, this whole thing about the Los Angeles Rams and their now now what they have a head coaching uh, vacancy here, an opening. Uh, I was listening to Jay Glazer, and he said that there are a lot of coaches under contract that are trying to find a way to get there because of the market. Listen, man, look at the Lakers. They're in the big. They're in the big market. They are the Lakers. People know who the twelfth man is at the end of the Lakers' bench when they're good, because it's Hollywood. It's I mean it's L.A. But listen, man, even a market isn't enough to attract the coach. If you're going just for the fame and the market, that's that. That's that's wrong, man. You've got to go if you can truly build that football team from the ground to the top. Otherwise. Don't do it. What's the point here? I, I think, again, we make way too big of a deal of certain things. Weather, market size. I could go on. Just because the Rams are in LA doesn't mean they're going to start seeing success. The Lakers, I think they're going to be great again. They really will, but not because of their market size. Because of the franchise, what they've gone through. The Buss family, they want to dominate again. They want to see championships That's why they're going to be successful again. Not because of the market. It just so happens they're in a big market. Not all the championship teams are from big markets. They're just not. Time to go out of bounds. Speaking of the Lakers, they have dropped 10 of their last 11 games. uh, After an impressive start, better than what people thought, but... Guess what? The Lakers are only two games behind the Portland Trailblazers who currently hold the 8th spot of the Western Conference. The Trailblazers are 13-17, and 17, and if the season ended today, they'd be in the playoffs. Let's look at the Eastern Conference for a moment. The Atlanta Hawks and Chicago Bulls are at 500 or below. Now listen, I know every now and then, the NFL might have a 7-9 team making it into the playoffs. We don't see it every year. We see it every maybe, what, three, four years? In the NBA, man, it's... it's I don't want to say it's easy, but it's certainly doable for a team below five hundred to make it into the playoffs. And I know there's still a long ways to go into for the NBA season, but if this keeps up, man, the way the Western Conference looks, we could have a team with a really bad record below 500 make it into the playoffs. And I I really feel like the NBA needs to find a way to shake things up and not allow 16 teams into the playoffs. That's just way too much. And listen, I get it. Because of a best-of-seven series, you have better chances to prevent an upset. But I, I still think 16 is way too much in a sport. Way too much. All right, you guys know I'm a big, big MMA fan, and I'm also a huge Nate Diaz fan. I know I've always loved underdogs. I, I was so excited when Nate Diaz defeated Conor McGregor earlier this year. Sucked to see him lose in the second round. Maybe some of you guys liked it. Nate Diaz recently did an interview saying that he's not going to fight again unless he gets paid $20 million. Look, man, I really want to see this guy fight again. He's such a fun guy to watch fight, as well as his brother Nick Diaz. Get off your high horse, man. You're not Conor McGregor. You're not Ronda Rousey. You don't deserve... Unless you defeated Conor twice, you really don't deserve $20 a fight. You just don't. That is way too much. Listen, he loves fighting. He keeps talking about it. He's going to come back. The, 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 the demand for that much money, that's ludicrous. Just get back to fighting. Do what you do best. You're Nate Diaz. And he's he's in line for a title shot. There's a rumor he might be giving, been receiving the interim light heavyweight light. Ti- uh, pardon me, lightweight title. That's a big deal for a guy who's ever won a title in his career. He deserves it. So don't demand that much money and go out there and fight. Time to throw some penalty flags. Alright, so for some crazy reason there have been police chases going on in the Kansas City area that have made it onto YouTube and and of course a lot of people they like to tune into those kinds of things. Uh, One guy this week he was already on a a high speed chase hijacks another truck and keeps going. Eventually they blew out I believe both front tires and listen, when you've already got multiple police cruisers behind you and a chopper not just the police chopper but also all the local news stations who are on top of you there's no hiding like you should just give up there's no you're making it worse on yourself and the chargers are gonna be more worse this guy was driving on the snow and moving what three four maybe five miles an hour still trying to outrun the cops and it was just the most ridiculous thing I've ever seen Look, I, I I credit the effort, but at some point, you just got to know when you lost, and there's no point in continuing that if you're going to keep going full uh, You can't even go full speed. Uh, the, the fullest you can go is five miles an hour, and you're still trying to outrun them. You're an idiot. You deserve another flag for that. Okay, uh, I get it. Times are tough for the San Diego Chargers, but... Uh, one security guard was caught, uh, he was looking at some of the cheerleaders, and he was, you know, I I guess he was gazed by the beautiness of the cheerleaders, so he started, uh, let's use a different term, let's say, let's say bashing the candle, (laughs) uh, he was bashing the candle, yes, um... That's embarrassing, man. You you got caught for that. It's probably never gets a date. Probably never gets a date. Uh, that's embarrassing. It really is for a fan to notice that and record it. The Chargers have come out apologizing for this, but man, this guy deserves a flag. Okay, uh, that's that's just wrong. You don't do that in public. That's just wrong. There are kids there. And as they say on ESPN, before every Monday Night Football game, come on, man. By the way, the Pro Bowl alternates have just been released for for this season. And nine Chiefs are on that list. And I think you guys are going to be quite surprised with some of the names that have surfaced. Alex Smith, who of course is everyone's favorite p- Player, everyone's the player. Chiefs fans love to hate on, uh, so shocker, he, he gets into the Pro Bowl. Eric Fisher, uh, if uh, if the Chiefs don't make it to the Super Bowl, hopefully they do. Uh, but if that's not the case, then Eric Fisher may find himself playing his first uh, Pro Bowl. Same with D Ford. So you know, all this talk about how Eric Fisher and D Ford, you know, those guys were busts. Mm, they're Pro Bowl alternates. I, I don't think this necessarily counts as an actual Pro Bowl. Uh, on their resumes and all, but uh, to be a Pro Bowl alternate still uh, for these guys, I mean, they're they're obviously valued as some of the best in the NFL, and they really are. Justin Houston, surprisingly and impressively, uh, I guess he did enough to impress a lot of NFL fans to get voted into the Pro Bowl, despite not playing the entire season. Derek Johnson... Also going to be uh, voted. He'll be considered. I guess he's a Pro Bowl alternate, but obviously he can't play in it this season. Dontari Poe, uh, another alternate. DJ Alexander, and then a couple of special teams guys. You you already got your kick returner in there. Now you've got Cairo Santos and Dustin Colquitt part of the Pro Bowl. I think it's safe to say the Chiefs have, pro- maybe not statistically speaking, but probably overall the best special teams unit in the NFL. They just do. Kyro Santos, one of the most consistent kickers in the NFL. Dustin Colquitt, I'll say it again, like I said with Santos, one of the most consistent punters in the NFL. And you've got the fastest and best punt returner in the game. And also can do some good things as a kicker returner too in Tyreek Hill. So there you got it. Nine Pro Bowl alternates in addition to the four who are officially in to represent the Kansas City Chiefs. So for all these fans who like to criticize and say that Alex Smith isn't good, well, the overall perception nationally is a lot different, shockingly. It's funny because Chiefs fans, like I said earlier, uh, like to complain about how our team never gets talked about, our quarterbacks never get talked about. Uh, That's because the Chiefs have had bad quarterbacks, and now when the Chiefs have uh, a, a good quarterback under center, there's all the all this whining and complaining, but I went into it earlier in the podcast. I'm not going to do it anymore because, uh, for one, I did it already, too. Uh, this podcast is going quite long, so hopefully you guys are still with me. You guys, of course, got the holiday weekend to enjoy this. The Chiefs don't play until Sunday night, so plenty of time, of course, for you guys to get this podcast in all the way. Of course, you guys want to hear my thoughts on the game between the Broncos and the Chiefs. Let's get right into it. Uh, th- listen, this Denver team's no joke. They had the Chiefs backed up to a wall multiple times. The first time these two teams played on Sunday night earlier this season in November, and, uh, I, I think, uh, I share everyone's sentiments when I say that there were a couple times where I thought it was over, but not exactly the case. I mean, this team just does not, this Chiefs team does not, uh, quit battling. They will fight all the way until the final second. So that's something you can definitely appreciate from this team, and uh, this is not going to be an easy game against the Denver Broncos. Now, being at Arrowhead, and I do have to say, I know the weather has been kind of a a hot topic here. Uh, This just came out as well. Uh, This kind of surfaced on Facebook. I I saw a post about this, and some uh, some people have been tweeting about it. it. Actually, the city of Wichita tweeted something about this too. Uh, something about how there hasn't been a tornado since 1955 on Christmas Day in the in the in the city of Wichita. Uh, but there are some uh, some bad storms on the way. Rain, hail, uh, all kinds of crap. And on top of that, tornadoes on Christmas. So, uh, not necessarily the Christmas we all really look forward to. I'm kind of a little nervous about this. Uh, because uh, of course a lot of people traveling to see families, friends on on Christmas Eve, Christmas Day. And, of course, you've got a big game at Arrowhead, which is expected to be a sold-out house. The weather is expected to be much better than it has been the last two games at Arrowhead. And, of course, when the weather gets really, when it gets better during this time of year, that's uh, not necessarily the, the best thing to have. So uh, that's the predicted forecast for this weekend. Uh, warm temperatures, some rain. And then, of course, some hail and tornadoes. Not exactly sure when in the day this will happen. Uh, it's been reported that trees are expected to be all over the area, all over the roads. Uh, maybe even some some buildings could could see some damage. Uh, so kind of scary. Uh, hopefully, you know, I mean, if, if you're reading this, you're in the Casey area. It's actually, you know, from Iowa to Texas is where they're uh, saying that this is all going to happen. And Kansas just ha- happens to be in the center of all of this. So please be safe if you guys are uh, in the area. Uh, so obviously it's not something you uh, you never know uh, how things are going to pan out. Especially when they uh, predict these way in advance. But as far as this game goes, the Broncos not not the most threatening team on the ground. But against Kansas City's weak rush defense, which is no different than Denver's rush defense... I think you could see both both teams uh, use the running game a little bit. Now, the Chiefs tried that in the last game and weren't so successful. This time around, you know how, how do you exploit that? Well, you're on your own home turf, so hopefully you can have that uh, play to your advantage. And again, a lot like the weather, I don't think where you play isn't an automatic guarantee of how successful or poorly you'll do in a game. Devontae Booker is the leading rusher for the Broncos, 528 yards, a 3.4 yard per carry average, uh, he's got three touchdowns on the season, CJ Anderson, 437 yards, and four touchdowns on the ground, so again, uh, not the mo- most exciting group of, of, of tailbacks for the Broncos, whereas their passing game is really where they shine the most, Demarius Thomas and Emmanuel Sanders' Each have 1,000 yards. Thomas has 1,016 yards. Sanders 10 yards behind him, 1,006 yards. Each have five touchdown grabs on the year. Uh, Thomas has 83 grabs. Sanders 78. So you know that these guys are going to be target- targeted quite a lot. More than 130 targets each this year. And Trevor Simeon, of course, he's had a lot of the snaps this year for the Denver Broncos. Paxton Lynch has played a little bit. But overall, this is, uh, this is an offense where... I'd like to think that they would attack on the ground a little bit because you don't have Derek Johnson in the middle and this rush defense is already bad to begin with. But then again, you always have to go stick with your strengths. You just have to. And Kansas City, we know they can also do some things in silencing teams when they try to air it out. And that, of course, goes to the pass rushers you have and the Chiefs are loaded with a bunch of them. And we were we were already seeing some of those guys uh, I mentioned voted into the Pro Bowl. Justin Houston, D4, Dontari Poe, DJ Alexander, and Ramick Wilson, who I really feel like statistically hasn't been great, but the way he's been playing and filling in for DJ Maga, he, he's done a really great job for the Chiefs this season. And now that you've got both Wilson and Alexander playing, it, it, it's a thin it's a thin group of inside linebackers. Don't get me wrong, but I still think this is these two guys if they can if they can focus on the task at hand they can definitely do some damage which by the way I, looking at this pass passing game, I mentioned how Thomas and Sanders are, are the two leading pass catchers with more, each more than a thousand yards second on the list is Virgil Green who was a tight end the previous year with the Bron- Broncos 220 yards I should say two years ago actually. So, if you can take away Thomas and or Sanders, which I know is a very tough task for this team, but they've got the pass rushers and the secondary to really limit this passing game. Who else does Trevor Simeon have to throw to? This isn't a a, a group of offensive guys. Listen, they live off two guys in the passing game, Thomas and Sanders. It's great that you have... Two Pro Bowl wide receivers, but it's also a little nerve-wracking because if one of them gets hurt and the other is double-teamed consistently and you can't get the ball to him, you're you're going to be shut down in this game. Now, obviously, we can't expect an injury uh, and, and think of all the positive things that could go our way, but uh, I think Kansas City is capable of defending these guys. You've got the secondary. Guys like Eric Berry... Uh, Mitchell has really come on a, a tear rate lately. Like I said, uh, one of the comments I read, we all know about Marcus Peters and what he's been able to do. So I, I think that in Steven Nelson, he hasn't been necessarily been great, but he's good at breaking up passes. And he's done that to a couple of big name receivers uh, this year. Again, when uh, they've tried to pull in a touchdown against the chiefs, he, he's batted some of them away when most cornerbacks probably would have allowed six points right then and there. So I, I'm really confident in the secondary. I might be drinking the Kool-Aid a little bit, especially on Christmas, but uh, I'm pretty confident that the Chiefs can go out there and do some damage to Trevor Simeon and not let him have the kind of game that he wants to have uh, with Thomas and Sanders against this Chiefs pass defense. So that's that's another reason why I think the Broncos might explore running the ball more. That's really where... They can do some damage on this Chiefs defense, which, again, I mean the Chiefs are ranked 26th against the run. Broncos 27th. So, uh, again, this is a this, this is a game where I think both running backs could do well in this game. Now, looking at the defensive side of the football, obviously a lot is made of Chris Harris and Aqib Talib, uh, the, the the two uh, former Kansas Jayhawks, and of course the pass rush with, with Von Miller and Demarcus Ware. Uh, you. Probably got top three cornerbacks and a top three pass rusher. And the Chiefs, you can say the same thing about them and what they have with their pass rush and in their secondary. Very evenly matched when you compare these two defenses. Uh, Von Miller, 13 and a half sacks. One guy who does not get talked about a whole lot is Darian Stewart, who leads the team in interceptions with three. It's surprisingly This has not been a uh, Broncos defense that's picked off the ball a whole lot. Aqib Talib also has three picks this year. But overall, the Broncos secondary, uh, or, or the defense as a whole, have just 12 picks. Now, they've only thrown nine on the season. Eight from Simeon, one from Paxton Lynch. So the Broncos aren't involved in a lot of games where it's pick city. Chris Harris has a pair of interceptions this year. Bradley Roby, a very underrated cornerback who was drafted in the first round a couple of years ago for the Broncos. He's also got a pair of picks this season. And anytime the Broncos get their hands on a football, they do not waste an opportunity to gain as many yards possible. 12 picks, 284 yards for the Denver Broncos this season. That's a very impressive number. The Broncos lead the NFL in that category while the Chiefs are... Two spots behind with the Minnesota Vikings in between. And for those wondering, the Chiefs, off of their 15 interceptions, have uh, re- gone uh, 236 return yards off of picks this season. Longest pick for the Broncos, 51 yards. Longest for the Chiefs, 55 yards. Uh, so this is, a, this is a team that uh, both teams really uh, don't waste opportunities when they have the football uh, defensively, when they come up with these interceptions. Special teams... Uh, Brandon McManus, uh, a good kicker, of course. uh, He had that incident with the Chiefs where he was forced to try that long field goal and couldn't make it. Uh, But he's made all of his kicks from 50 yards or less, except for one, between 40 to 49 yards. He's missed three from 50 yards out, one of them being that uh, 62-63 yarder against the Kansas City Chiefs. He's missed only one extra point this season. Uh, Return game... Uh, No one really threatening. I mean, you've got Cody Latimer, uh, Capri Bibbs. Uh, I mean, no, none of them average more than 25 yards per return. And as far as punt returns go, Jordan Norwood, not the most dangerous guy. He's averaging just 8.2 yards per return. Uh, So again, uh, this is not a a return team that you've got to be afraid of. And with Dave Tobe as your special teams coordinator, which I mentioned earlier, I think the Chiefs have the best special teams uh, unit in the NFL, I think. Dave Tobe is a huge reason why, and I'm kind of surprised he's not an NFL head coach at this point. But look, I'll take it. Uh, I mean, he's he's also a reason why the Chiefs have three pro bowlers. As far as how the Chiefs are going to do in this football game, well, look, uh, the Broncos haven't necessarily They've been mediocre at best when it comes to defending punt returns and kick returns. So uh, I'm going to go out on a limb here and say that Tyreek Hill gets a touchdown on special teams, probably gets one on offense as well. Definitely want to use him a hell of a lot more than you did in the last game uh, against the Tennessee Titans. So definitely want to use your most elusive weapon in Tyreek Hill. And also st- talking about. Uh, using your weapons. Use Travis Kelsey. Nowhere to be found in the second half. And uh, this is a guy who, who who can do a lot for your offense. He was key for the Chiefs against the Broncos in overtime. Of course, got that big catch-and-run play that helped the Chiefs line up for uh, what ended up being the most dramatic field goal make in NFL history. But uh, you want to use those two guys a, a lot more. And unfortunately, Jamal Charles won't be back this season. Uh, he, he's no longer... Uh, On the IR with designation to return, so... Uh, you're going to be without him for for, for the rest of the year, including the playoffs. There was some hope that he could return, but not going to be the case. Instead, the Chiefs, uh, for the rest of the year, and starting with this game, start using these running backs a lot more. Spencer Ware, one of the best pass-catching running backs in the NFL, and we haven't seen them do what he was able to do as much as he did in the start of the season. Niall Davis, I know he's not the most used guy. A lot of people wondered why is he not being used uh, last year and this year, too. Uh, I think Niall Davis can do some damage. Maybe the Chiefs have some concerns with his ball security. He's been known to fumble a lot, especially in college football coming out of Arkansas. So if, if, if he can control that, take good care of the football, he can he can run wild on on a defense. We've seen him do it on special teams and on offense before. So if he can do it, uh, this would be a great time to do so, especially against a Broncos defense that's, like I said, not very good in stopping the run. So I think both teams will use their running games, and I know Denver's ranked number one against the pass, but I think Kansas City can go out and, and, and sling it a l- little bit. We see what Alex Smith is capable of doing when the Chiefs call for those long pass plays. <laughs> I mean, it, it, it's happened. He did he did it against Denver a little bit, against Atlanta looked really good in the first half. Against the Raiders in, in the second quarter, uh, did something did some nice things throwing it long. So when Alex, when they call these plays, which again, we haven't seen it a whole lot from, from the Chiefs, but when the Chiefs went on that surge last season, we saw Alex Smith do this. When it's called this year, again, it hasn't been a whole lot. We've seen Alex Smith prove that he's capable of those long plays. We, we, we keep hearing how Alex Smith can't throw and connect on the deep pass. Well, yes, he can. And he's done it against some really good quarterbacks this season. So I'm going to go out on a limb again and say that the Chiefs, you, I, I still think they can find some success running the football, but they've got to come up with some trick plays, and I think this is where the creativity comes into mind. Forget about putting stuff on game film for teams in the playoffs. Every NFL team, every college football team have thick playbooks. They just do. So in those gigantic playbooks that you have, go out there and grab some of those trick plays, and fool this pass defense. Andy Reid's proven that he's a great play caller, and if he uses the right trick plays, you can fool even the best pass defenses in the NFL. And I think the Chiefs are capable of doing that if they can use the play action at the right time. Maybe even the flea flicker. Misdirection play action. I mean, Use some of those plays that you have in your playbook, which I'm sure Andy Reid in and every NFL offense has. Some use it more than others, and we have not ne- not necessarily seen that creativity. Those trick plays a whole lot from Andy Reid, and I'd like to see it in this game. I know they have it. I mean, they've run the Wildcat a little bit lately with Tyreek Hill and Spencer Ware, so you know it's a doable task for the Chiefs. I said the Chiefs were going to win last week, 17-14 in overtime. I, I, I didn't get the overtime right, but I did get the 17 on Kansas City's end right. Because I'm just not so sure how this team is going gonna, is gonna to run the offense. And how much they, they, they want to play for one quarter, two quarters, or f- from start to finish. I'd like to think in this game, after a, a reality check last week, I think that game was a wake-up call against the Tennessee Titans. Play this game for four quarters. You know what? It's your division rival. It's Christmas. Dominate the first quarter. Dominate in the second and the third and the fourth. I know it's not college football, but go out there and burn up that scoreboard. I mean, if if it's at the point where it's completely one-sided, yeah, put in your backups for sure, especially at this point where, you know, if it is a one-sided game and you've got a playoff spot wrapped up, save your guys. I know the Colt can can do some damage on, on some of these players' bodies, the wear and tear, especially in week 16 of the NFL season. Now, fortunately, unlike a lot of teams, the Chiefs do have an extra day to prepare, as a lot of teams are playing on a Saturday. But I think the Chiefs do come through in this one. I say the Chiefs go out there and, and burn up the scoreboard a little bit. I think Kansas City can make it a fun one to watch for all of us. I say Kansas City wins 41 to thirty, I think it's going to be a, it's going to be a shootout. I think both offenses are going to be able to get into the end zone quite a bit. But I think for the Chiefs, I say they score on special teams. I say they score on offense, and I think you even get a defensive score. And if I have to pick pick a guy, I'll pick Marcus Peters. For one, he's way overdue for an interception. Too, I, I, he's done a, such a great job this. Year. My biggest cr- thing with Marcus Peters, the thing I criticize him the most entering this season is that he just cannot defend wide receivers. He allowed more, I think, the most or the second most yards last season. And a lot of them came against good wide receivers, where he was able to defend a lot of bad receivers. This year, Marcus Peters has been playing some of the most terrific defense I've seen from a cornerback. And you're seeing teams take less shots against Marcus Peters because they're, they're nervous. For one, he's also doing a. I mean, yeah, like I said, they're nervous because he, he's just a pick machine. We haven't seen a lot lately. But on top of that, he's actually doing a good job covering receivers, not letting them get wide open easily. Now, of course, even the most, the best cornerbacks, the low lockdown cornerbacks, Richard Sherman, Chris Harris, they allow a big play every now and then. So it may happen to Marcus Peters in this game. But for the most part, you don't see him consistently allow that like he did last year. So I've got the Chiefs scoring on all three phases of the game, doing it for the second time this year, if I'm not mistaken. So I think the Chiefs can do that in this game. Actually, I take that back. I don't think they have scored on all three, a touchdown on all three phases. So I take that back. For the first time, I, I should say then. I think the Chiefs do it in, the, in this game, and I think the Chiefs do come out on top, forty-one to ten. On Christmas, So whether it's from the Steelers or if the Chiefs do it themselves, that playoff spot will be clinched this week. I'm Farzine Bisugian. Thank you guys so much for listening to this Christmas edition of the Chiefs Zone Podcast. As always, I love the interaction. We'll continue it even on Christmas. Facebook.com slash Sportscaster Farzine or search my name Farzine Bisugian on Facebook. Also follow me on Twitter at Farzine21. Please subscribe to the podcast. Let a friend know about it this weekend when you visit your friends and families for Christmas. Let them know about the first ever Chiefs podcast to ever go on iTunes. The OG of Chiefs podcast on the internet. So let them know about the Chiefs on podcast and have them subscribe as well. Merry Christmas to all of you. Happy holidays. Hope you guys enjoy the holiday this weekend with your friends and families. Until then, I'll talk to you next weekend after the Chiefs clinch a playoff spot. Until then, Enjoy your Christmas.